and welcome to the second ever episode of Classic vs. Reboot, the proof that podcasting is the true final frontier. I'm Mitch Kreitzman alongside my co-host Jordan Kreitzman. Uh, Jordan, we are starting off our new podcast rotation here with the uh, the excellent Classic vs. Reboot. Yeah, um, And for those, who, for those who maybe are not remembering the idea of this podcast, it's basically either taking a movie or a TV series... Um, watching the original, watching the rebooted version of it, uh, sort of comparing and contrasting if we think it was worth rebooting. Pretty easy. Yeah, it's pretty it's basic. It's pretty much all in the title, so I mean... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I maybe didn't need to explain it. Um, and we're hitting a very similar vein with today's episode than we did with the first one. Right. Um, to be honest, I was a little in a little bit of a rush to think of something... And this kind of came to mind, so I was like, yeah, why not? Um, Also, similarly to our first one, it's not uh, as close of a remake as we could have gotten, I would say. Yeah, the... Well, it really... That's the beauty of J.J. Abrams, right? It wasn't supposed to be a remake, but... (laughs) Lo and yeah. behold, it is a remake. <laughs> yeah, no, for, for sure it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about it. We are uh, going to be comparing and contrasting Star Trek II Wrath of Khan from 1982 versus Star Trek Into Darkness from 2013. Um, now, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan builds on the original story with Khan from the, from the original TV series, and so he's already an established character coming into the movie, whereas Into Darkness, he's a fully new character to this rebooted version of Star Trek, which kind of, you know, makes the plot a little bit different in a, a bunch of ways, actually. Yeah. Well, the original, so the original con was in that, I don't know if you ever saw that part of the original series, but it was just like a one-off random episode that they decided to make a whole movie out of later. Right. It's really, really weird. Well, it makes you wonder, like, if they just kind of went through their list of, like, villains from episodes, seeing who would want to do a full-length movie. and Yeah, and they were like, know. which one of these actors had the bustiest chest? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> That's definitely in my notes here. No doubt about that. Um, you know, Jordan, I wanted to s- structure this a little different than we did our original Classic versus Reboot, because you may remember uh, our original version was very long. Um, yeah, I was hoping maybe it wouldn't be this time. <laughs> yeah, I have a, okay. I have a way around that this time that I think you'll like. Cool. So um, I have some discussion categories. So basically I'm going to read a, a brief synopsis for each movie, and then we're going to go into each of these categories for both movies. Okay, I like it. So our categories are plot choices slash screenwriting, uh, dialogue, which kind of goes into writing, but it's different from plot choices. Right. Uh, score slash visuals, uh, action sequences, and then character choices slash performance. Okay. So I'm going to start off with the synopses. Uh, so first we have Star Trek II Wrath of Khan from 1982, starring most of the original cast, if not all the original cast of the TV series. So William Shatner as uh, Captain Kirk... Leonard Nimoy as uh, Mr. Spock, uh, George Takei as Mr. Sulu, Nichelle Nichols as Ahura, and then uh, Ricardo Montalban as uh, Khan. 
Say that name again. Ricardo Montalban. Montalban? Montalban. Montalban. I don't know how to say it different, but I also know I'm saying it weird. Um, So, in 20... Were you saying something, Jordan? Nope. No, go for it. All right. So I'm going to just go ahead and read the synopsis here. Um, In 2285, Admiral James T. Kirk... Uh, has been promoted from Captain to Admiral, oversees a simulator session of Captain Spock's trainees. In the simulation, Lieutenant Savick, oh yeah, played by Kirstie Alley, who I forgot to mention. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> always forget about that. Uh, commands the Starship Enterprise on a rescue mission to save the crew of the damaged ship Kobayashi Maru, which gets referenced as the origin story in the first rebooted Star Trek. Right. And they reference the origin story later on in this movie. Um, But is attacked by Klingon cruisers and critically damaged. The simulation is a no-win scenario designed to test the character of Starfleet officers. Later, Dr. McCoy joins Kirk on his birthday. Seeing Kirk in low spirits, the doctor advises Kirk to get a new command uh, and not grow old behind a desk. Um, Now, I do want to quickly mention... Uh, the Amazon description of the movie. I don't know if you, because I'm pretty sure you watched it on Prime too, but I don't know if yeah. you noticed the description of what the movie was. I did not. Uh, Admiral Kirk's midlife crisis is interrupted by the return of an old enemy oh. looking for revenge and a potentially destructive device. <laughs> I did actually see that now that you say that. I just found it really funny that they were like, yeah, one of the main points of the movie is his midlife crisis. <laughs> it kind of is, really. <laughs> It's but one the of the fact themes, that it, but yeah. it's not like it gets talked about a lot. Um, no, but that's his character growth. That's true. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the Starship Reliant is on a mission to search for a lifeless planet to test the Genesis device, a technology designed to reorganize dead matter into habitable worlds. Reliant officers, uh, Commander Pavel Chekhov and Captain Clark Terrell, beam down to evaluate a planet they believe to be SETI Alpha 6, once there, they are captured by the genetically engineered tyrant Khan Noonien Singh. Fifteen years prior, uh, Kirk ex- exiled Khan and his fellow supermen to SETI Alpha 5 after they attempted to take over his ship. Classic mistake. They, of course. Yeah. I've, I've been on SETI Alpha 6 and thought it was 5 before. Yeah, we, we've all, we've all, <laughs> all done that. Done, yeah. And uh, Plus, it's listed as Roman numerals, and no one remembers those. <laughs> yeah, especially um, at that point in time. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, so they were marooned on SETI Alpha 5, and uh, Khan's wife died, and then several people on the crew did as well. Uh, for those reasons, Khan plans revenge. He implants several of his people, or excuse me, he implants Chekhov and Terrell with indigenous eel, eel larvae, one of, of the, the grosser scenes in the movie. <laughs> Worst part of the movie. That render them susceptible to mind control and uses them to capture Reliant. Uh, learning of the Genesis device, Khan attacks Space Station Regula, oh, Regula 1, excuse me, where the device is being developed by Kirk's former lover, Dr. Carol Marcus, and their son, <laughs> David. Um, I'll just say it right now. It'll come up again. David sucks. He's the worst. <laughs> um, well, so, think- yeah, I, um, I admit I had to, like, leave the room a couple times while I was watching this, but, um, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised, um, I guess, who he was and how he behaved. Yeah. <laughs> Did you also think they were a couple at first? Yes. Same. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is that what you were getting at? Basically. Because I was confused at first as yeah, well. Yeah, I thought I had missed something. 
<laughs> no, you did not. Um, <laughs> Kirk assumes command of Enterprise after the ship, deployed on a training cruise, receives a distress call from Regular One. En route, Enterprise is ambushed and crippled by Reliant. Uh, Khan offers to spare Kirk's crew if they relinquish all material related to Genesis. Uh, Kirk instead stalls for time and remotely lowers Reliance shields, enabling a counterattack. What's a Great very scene. comedic scene, by the way? It's oh my gosh! I will when I when we get into dialogue, I will mention that for sure. Khan is forced to retreat and effect repairs while Enterprise limps in a regular one. Kirk, McCoy, and Savick beam to the station and find Terrell and Chekhov alive, along with slaughtered members of Marcus's team. They soon find Carol and David hiding Genesis deep inside the nearby planetoid. Khan, having used Terrell and Chekhov as spies, orders them to kill Kirk. Great plot to us, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Terrell resists the, e- the eel's influence and kills himself, while Chekhov collapses as the, ear leaves his- as the eel leaves his body. Gross. Khan transports Genesis aboard the Reliant, intending to maroon Kirk on the lifeless planetoid but is tricked by Kirk and Spock's coded arrangements for a rendezvous. Kirk directs Enterprise into the nearby Mutara Nebula. Conditions inside the nebula render shields useless and compromise targeting systems, making Enterprise and Reliant evenly matched. Spock notes that Khan's tactics indicate inexperience in three-dimensional combat, which Kirk exploits to disable Reliant. A lot of that got missed by me while watching the movie, so I'm glad I'm reading this. Yeah, again... I had to leave the room a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mortally wounded, Khan activates Genesis, which will recognize reorganize all matter in the nebula, including Enterprise. Though Kirk's crew detects the activation and attempts to move out of range, they will not be able to escape the nebula in time without the ship's inoperable warp drive. Spock goes to restore warp power in the engine room, which is flooded with radiation. When McCoy's tried to prevent Spock's entry, Spock incapacitates him with a Vulcan nerve pinch. Classic. It is classic, absolutely. And performs a mind meld, telling him to remember. Spock repairs the warp drive, and Enterprise escapes the explosion, which forms a new planet. Before dying of radiation poisoning, Spock urges Kirk not to grieve, as his decision to sacrifice himself to save the ship's crew was a logical one. Classic logic. <laughs> um, a space burial is held, and Spock's coffin is shot into orbit around the new planet, uh, including a Scotty playing Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. <laughs> Why is that what you were going to say? Why not like a uh, a native Vulcan song? <laughs> I don't know, but it's that's way funnier than it's supposed to be. I know that much. Um. Like I said, a space burial is held in Spock's coffin is shot into orbit around the new planet. The crew leaves to pick up Reliance marooned crew from SETI Alpha 5, uh, and Spock's coffin is shown having soft landed on the surface of the Genesis planet. Now, for those of you who maybe haven't seen Star Trek Three: Search for Spock, um, due to the effect Genesis had on that planet, it brings Spock back to life, and they're able to bring him back onto the Enterprise by the end of the third one. Yeah. Um, so that's the main synopsis right. of Wrath of Khan. More happened than I um, thought. <laughs> Just wait till you hear how much happens in Into Darkness. Um, a lot more convoluted, but we'll talk about it. Um, so for the synopsis of Into Darkness, uh, in 2259, 
Captain James T. Kirk is removed from command of the Starship Enterprise for violating the Prime Directive after exposing the ship to the primitive inhabitants of the planet Nibiru in order to save them and Spock from, uh, from a cataclysmic volcanic eruption. Admiral Christopher Pike is reinstated as commanding officer with, Co- with Kirk demoted to his first officer. Uh, Spock is transferred to another ship. Shortly thereafter, Starfleet officer Thomas Harewood, sent by Commander John Harrison, bombs a Section 31 installation in London. During an emergency meeting on the situation, Harrison uses a ship to ambush and kill Pike and other senior officers before transporting to Kronos, homeworld of the hostile Klingons. Oof. They're gross, too. Damn those Klingons. (laughs) Admiral Alexander Marcus reinstates Kirk and Spock to Enterprise with orders to kill Harrison using a new long-range stealth torpedo. Chief Engineer Montgomery Scott, a.k.a. Scotty, objects to allowing untested torpedoes on board without knowing their specifications. When he's overruled, he resigns. Kirk assigns Pavel Chekhov to replace Scotty. En route to Kronos, uh, Enterprise's warp capabilities become disabled. Kirk leads a team with Spock and Uhura to the planet where they are ambushed by Klingon patrols. Harrison appears and kills the Klingons. He then surrenders when he learns the precise number of torpedoes on board the Enterprise, which we'll soon find out why. Dr. Leonard McCoy and Marcus's daughter, Dr. Carol Marcus, who we just found out eventually has a child with Kirk. Very interesting wrinkle. Uh, oh. Well, yeah, in the, in the in the previous movie. Yeah, it never would have clocked with me that it's the same Carol Marcus had I not watched these movies one right after the other, but it's well, the same yeah. character. Yeah, that's that's what did it for me. Um, because, yeah, they're not really, they're not even in the same specialty, right? I mean, it's not. Right. No, it doesn't really <laughs> add up. They yeah. just happen, I don't. I don't know if the same name is a coincidence. It would be weird if it was, but um, <laughs> yeah. it would be a very weird coincidence. <laughs> um, so Dr. Leonard McCoy and Marcus's daughter, Dr. Carol Marcus, opened a torpedo at Harrison's urging, revealing the torpedoes co- uh, to contain cryonically frozen humans. Harrison is taken to Enterprise's brig, where he reveals his true identity to be Khan Noonien Singh a genetically engineered superhuman awoken by Admiral Marcus from centuries of sleep and forced to develop advanced weapons. Khan reveals that Marcus sabotaged Enter- Enterprise's warp drive, intending for the Klingons to destroy the, uh, destroy the ship after it fired on Kronos, uh, sparking war with the Klingon Empire. Khan also gives Kirk a set of coordinates, which Kirk asks Scott not to investigate. Or to investigate. <laughs> he didn't ask him not to investigate. <laughs> Calls him up. Don't look up hey, these numbers. Hey, don't Wink. look into this. Um, <laughs> Scott discovers the coordinates lead to a covert Starfleet facility. Uh, Enterprise is intercepted by a much larger Starfleet warship, USS Vengeance, commanded by Admiral Marcus. Marcus demands that Kirk deliver Khan, but Enterprise flees to Earth to expose him. After Vengeance disables Enterprise near the moon, uh, Carol reveals her presence aboard Enterprise to stop the attack. Marcus forcibly transports Carol to Vengeance before ordering Enterprise's destruction. Did you mention that Vengeance that was her loses. dad? Yes, okay. the Admiral's her dad. Right. But that's a weird thing, too. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> okay. Vengeance loses power after being sabotaged by Scott, who infiltrated the ship. 
With transporters down, Kirk and Khan, with the latter's knowledge of the warship's design, space jump to vengeance. Khan overpowers Kirk, Scott, and Carol, kills Marcus, and takes control of vengeance. Khan demands that Spock return his frozen crew in exchange for the Enterprise officers. Spock complies, but he and McCoy surreptitiously remove Khan's frozen crew from the torpedoes. Uh, Spock detonates the warheads, crippling the ship. Uh, With both starships caught in Earth's gravity, they plummet towards the surface. Kirk enters Enterprise's radioactive reactor chamber to realign the warp core, sacrificing himself to save the ship. Khan crashes Vengeance into downtown San Francisco in an attempt to destroy Starfleet headquarters, while McCoy discovers that Khan's blood has regenerative properties that may save Kirk. Spock pursues Khan through the city, and the two engage in hand-to-hand combat. Ahura beams down and stuns Khan. uh, Spock prepares to kill Khan, but Ahura stops him, uh, explaining that he's their only chance to save the captain. Khan's blood revives Kirk, and Khan is sealed in his cryogenic pod and stored with his compatriots. One year later, Kirk speaks at Enterprise's rededication ceremony. The Enterprise crew embarks on a five-year exploratory mission, which to my knowledge is sort of the setup for the original series, right? I believe that's the case, at least. I believe that the five-year exploratory mission is like the setup for the original series. Is that correct? Um, oh, that's a good point, isn't it? That must be it. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but <laughs> that must be. That's cool. <laughs> it just occurred so, to me. <laughs> we're finally done with the uh, doldrums of the uh, synopses. I wanted to get that out of the way just so we were aware of the full plot because we may have missed some of that. Um, I anyway. definitely did. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start by talking about uh, the plot choices made in each movie and sort of how we feel about them. Um. I liked, I really liked the plot choices that Wrath of Khan made. It felt very simple, very straightforward. There wasn't really a lot to have to follow, but the but it was written very well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I think Khan had an actual, like, I guess, like, simple but, like, direct motive for what he was doing. Right. Um, and that generally, yeah, to me, it's more a movie about it's the kind of movie I like. It's like a low plot, high character content. Um, I feel like that was a little more the type of movie in Wrath of Khan. Um, although it is kind of weird. I don't think Khan and Kirk ever have a face-to-face interaction in Wrath of Khan, right? Wait, Kirk and Khan, you said? Yeah. Uh, like in-person face-to-face? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't believe Yeah, they're they always do. kind correct. of... I feel like that kind of... Um, I don't know. Dilutes the drama a bit, but <laughs> yeah, I do wonder if there's a reason as to why. But um, that is a good point. There, it's mostly just over like the yeah, video communication the or whatever. Intercoms, yeah, but it's 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 really easy to follow. It's basically just you know he's been looking for a way to get off that marooned planet all these years. Finally, gets his opportunity, and as a result. <laughs> as then, you know, able to find this super weapon. It's just a matter of making sure he doesn't get the weapon, you know, defeating him. Very straightforward. Well, can we talk for a second about when Chekhov first discovers 
<laughs> that it might be cod. <laughs> Basically, he just goes, Botany Bay? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> and then when he talks about um, when uh, when Khan is, like, giving his long monologue about how Kirk's actually the bad guy for marooning them or whatever. Yeah. And Chekhov just goes, you lie. It's <laughs> like very aggressively. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, See, so yeah, I mean, when it comes to plot choices, there's not a lot to talk about with this. Um, I think ultimately it makes a, all the right choices to me, at least. Um, yeah. Well, you can feel the anger that Khan feels towards Kirk. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Sarcastic tone every time he says Admiral. <laughs> yes. And the to me the plot choice of um having Spock be the one to die in the um Oh yeah. That's the fixing big, the warp core. That's the big payout the Wrath of Khan, right? That's what everyone remembers right. from Wrath of Khan. That's that's the big thing. That that um, to me is what Ultimately, I think we'll talk a little bit about character choices later, but I think that's what makes the most sense for the two characters. Like, yes, I, I get that into darkness. Part of it is, uh, is Kirk like learning to be less selfish, but also not really because he like saves Spock at the beginning of the movie. And so he was already a pretty like selfless person. Yeah. But the thing about Into Darkness is you're also, it's also what um, Spock trying to get in touch with his actual feelings, his half-human feelings, right? Right. So it really so gets it's, more into Spock's character than Kirk's, whereas the original yeah, Wrath of I Khan, guess they don't really, Spock has no growth at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, when we talk about plot choices in Into Darkness... The, the big thing that comes to mind for me is just that he's, it's, it's just very convoluted. So yeah. to start off, you have this young girl who's dying in a hospital of some disease. Yeah. And yeah, they don't I thought tell I was us, on a different movie for a second. <laughs> I know. And like, they don't say why they just tell, they just have Benedict Cumberbatch tell the, like he's telling this guy that he'll save his daughter if he helps him. And that's when he goes to explode the place. Mitch, I'm going to make a quick request that we, from here on out, refer to Benedict as uh, Bandicoot Scratch and Sniff. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I may refer to him as Khan to make it easier. Oh, but that's yes. also fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so then, like, that goes into, like, the reason Khan exists is because the admiral like brought him out of this cryo freeze to like help him right. with this battle. And then there's this idea of trying to start war with the Klingons and like the idea of his blood being regenerative, which is how they bring back Kirk from the dead. Well, like it's all just, there's so, just too many, uh, too many pieces to the puzzle. Well, I never, am I wrong? I don't really quite know why he hated Kirk and all that. Right. Like when he, um, like, like near towards the end there, he basically could have gotten his crew and went on his way, right? Why did he yes. actively try and... He didn't have a, a reason to hate and kill them like the original Khan did, right? Right. Like, that's such a... The, 
I will have to make this another category that I forgot to mention of just, you know, themes. Because the, I mean, do you, and when it comes to plot choices, I think we're pretty much, you know, we've got the gist here that Wrath of Khan is, you know, got it boiled down to the most basic parts and yeah. it's, it benefits for it. Whereas Into Darkness is just much more convoluted. And I don't really understand why they, is it really just that Abrams didn't want to f- do uh, an actual quote-unquote remake? Like, is that the whole thing? Well, the whole... I think the whole premise of the rebooted Star Trek was in the first one, they basically caused some sort of space-time disruption. Yes. <laughs> where they alter the past, right? So, or the alter, yeah, past, future, whatever frame of reference you're looking at. So things are, yes. like, similar but not exactly the same. And then you bring in Abrams, who's just like a master of taking created content <laughs> and kind of just redoing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we get into the when we get into the visuals, we'll talk a little bit about the the Abramsness of this. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when we talk about themes, I, I think like the the themes behind Wrath of Khan are just so that they're. They do a really good job of like implementing them and reiterating them without feeling like it's in your face. Right. Um so like the the whole idea behind like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, like yeah. that's established from the beginning that that's going to be coming into play, like the the idea of like your need for revenge like leaving you short-sighted like we were talking about right. like Khan so badly needs to get his revenge on Kirk that his crew is saying to him, like we could just escape right now and we'd be fine. And he's not willing to do that. He has to kill Kirk. Yeah. Um, and you have themes of like military, um, and government interference with science and research. Um, and you know, you have the common sci-fi themes of like how close like giving life and taking it away can be to each other with the Genesis. Like this is like what I want sci-fi to be. I get like, oh, yeah. and that's so, it's the best Star so, Trek movie. Oh, it's I hands think. down. I haven't yeah. seen them all, but some of the other ones I've seen aren't great. <laughs> so this but one I, I is think, pretty good though. Like using sci-fi as an avenue for deeper themes and messages is like what it was always meant to be. And like, I feel like that is very, that's like entirely subverted with something like Into Darkness. Like it's just basically using an intellectual property to make a generic sci-fi action. Uh, Yeah, for the most part. Um, I've always kind of liked Into Darkness, to be honest, Um, mostly for its, its fun perspective. Um, and I, I don't think it's bad by any means. It's um, better than Planet of the Apes remake. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, compared to our last one, it's definitely not as Here, well, wide of a gap. Yeah, here's the thing about Into Darkness. Just remove all of the previous, because uh, that's basically how I was going into it when I first saw Into Darkness. I don't know right. anything about Star Trek. Just watch Star Trek Into Darkness as just a movie. And that's, it's, that's it's very that's well very it's fair very point. well paced and continuously moving and not not bad in that sense. Um, yeah, no, it's just I would not definitely as good as Wrath of Khan. Yeah, no, I would agree. And like the, 
I do appreciate that they try to go for some different themes. Like you were saying before, like it's more so about Spock than it is about Kirk. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than that major theme of like, uh, you know, sort of tapping into that like human side of himself. Um, like, is there anything else that you really, that you felt like it was trying to hit on? No, I mean, it's, they're different movies in the sense that Wrath of Khan is all about like an aging Starfleet and like an aging. Yes, um, that's very true. He's having a hard time accepting it. And like, he's almost like just kind of like giving into the role of an admiral and just kind of settling down when this crew is telling him to get back out there. And I guess kind of Spock's death at the end is him to appreciate life and keep doing what he's doing. Yeah, that's a very good point. Into Darkness is more like about a bunch of young people and like Kirk struggling to... That's very true. Yeah, just kind of actually be mature and lead. (laughs) So they're actually two complete opposite ends of a career. Um, It is interesting that it's a remake while at the same time finding these characters at completely different points in their lives. Um, Well, yeah, they were going to make an action movie with with old people. Um, what about Red starring Bruce Willis, Jordan? Well, if it's all like comedically like <laughs> tied well, yeah, with for uh, sure. old people jokes, sure. But <laughs> um, let's talk about probably my most fun category, uh, which is dialogue. It, specifically oh, sure. with Wrath of Khan, the dialogue in parts <laughs> is just amazing. Like, yeah. That sort of low budgety corniness to Star Trek that you get from the original stuff, yeah, is like most evident in certain pieces of dialogue. So we like we already talked about uh, Chekhov's multiple weird lines, um, but hilarious. <laughs> um, when when he's trying to get the uh when he's trying to get the information on Genesis and Kirk just immediately goes, I don't know what that is. What's Genesis? <laughs> like he <laughs> yeah. just so quickly goes, I don't know what you're talking about. That's actually really funny. Cause I didn't, um, I didn't know our topic, so I didn't really write a lot of quotes, but I wrote that one down. That's really funny because <laughs> he was immediately like Genesis. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that's what it was. Because Genesis, oh, we'd what's have that? to log into our computers. I don't expect me to yes. remember everything. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um, and then when they're about to go on that planet, and McCoy is like super hesitant, and he's like, "And, and what if we get stranded here?" He says, uh, "This will finally be your chance to get away from it all." Like that's really good. <laughs> yeah. That's really like corny. Yeah. Um, and then McCoy, McCoy is full of great quips. Like that's part of his character, been, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, but when, when Kirk and Carol are like in the elevator and they're keeping the door closed for like their private conversation or whatever, <laughs> and then the door opens and McCoy just goes, who's holding up the damn elevator? <laughs> <laughs> just thought that was really funny. And then there was also a line talking about how horny Kirk is or like, how much he's getting laid basically because 
uh he points out that carol's on the ship who he like previously had a fling with and he was also like flirting with kirstie alley at one point and mccoy <laughs> says when it rains it pours <laughs> oh god I, I must have been out of the room for that one such a horny Ugh. line yeah i definitely um, well i think i wrote that for into darkness kirk so horny <laughs> Kirk so horny. Kirk so horny in in all the movies. But Mitch, what about the? I think I won't get the quote quite right, but I think um, Khan says it at some point. He goes, "I think it's the one I was about to say." Probably about the revenge statement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> revenge is a dish best served cold, and it is very cold in space. <laughs> such. That seems like something you would have written in your Star Wars sequels. Like that is. That's like something you could twist a little bit and um uh, what's his face mr ice or what is that no. oh yeah you could definitely turn that into mr freeze mr freeze sorry yeah mr like freeze, arnold schwarzenegger, schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh shoots an ice ball into space and he's like revenge is a dish best of cold and it's very cold in space <laughs> something like that yes the ice um, age <laughs> yeah so i mean we we are ignoring the fact that the the dialogue is easily one of the best parts of wrath of Khan. Like yeah. it, it adds so much intensity to scenes where maybe they can't do as much from a visual standpoint, like with action. Um, they make up for it with just amazing dialogue. Yeah. Well, they keep the pithy um, dialogue of the originals, which is good. And, um, yes, but then like uh, on, on par with that, they also have Kirk fight the same way as the originals, which really tickled me. Do you notice yes. that the one hand-to-hand combat he had, he did his whole, like, uh, judo stuff? <laughs> he relies a lot on uh, somersaults, which <laughs> is great. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I I overall think the dialogue is pretty decent in Into Darkness. There were a couple of things that stuck out to me, but overall it was sort more so just kind of serviceable. Um, yeah. Oh, Mitch, what, one, one quick thing. Sorry. I know we were just talking about dialogue. I know we pointed out the funny ones, but we didn't point out the classic ones. Oh, of course. Well, in in Wrath of Khan, you get... So, I mean, people always talk about the classic where he just screams Khan into the air. But that happens twice, which I think often gets forgotten. I think it Um, does. But then there's also his speech for, like, Spock. (laughs) Like... Yes. Of all the blah, blah, his was the most human. (laughs) His was the most human that's just yeah, a, that's I mean, just a sh- great like touching line i just thought that we should yes said oh absolutely it's yeah. a great line um shatner doesn't deliver it the best like you just demonstrated well but, yeah. he doesn't deliver anything the best but hey that's very <laughs> true we love him uh we don't <laughs> for example genesis what's that um <laughs> just so funny but um I felt like there were certain parts where the comic relief in Into Darkness was very much like um, like your modern Marvel or Star Wars movie yeah. type of comic relief, well, where you could tell it was just written by like yeah. a writer's room of he, like thirty people doing punch up, and it's just like. There's something I'll say about the um, the reboots. I feel like it's casted very well. I, oh I, yeah, I really like Definitely. the people they casted for it, and I feel like they do a pretty good job. Even though I agree, it's very much like. Marvel punch up dialogue, like bringing the comedian for the week and <laughs> right, exactly. These jokes type of things, but they're not bad. No, I have a couple of, I had a couple of lines throughout that I did enjoy. Um, 
So there was, let's see. Oh, when, uh, when they're talking about him in the, when they're talking about him in the elevator and they come out and he's like kind of staring at them and he says, uh, ears are burning, which I thought was pretty funny. Cause <laughs> yeah. you know, you say that to Spock, he's got big ears. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's a physical um, bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's there. I like it. Um, and then there were a couple of solid lines by McCoy as always. Um, the one line that I was just like, well, first of all, weird foreshadowing, but also just like, ugh. Um, when he makes them put on, when he makes those like more, like the younger officers put on like street clothes so that they don't stick out as Starfleet. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is a COVID, or a uh, COVID. That was <laughs> a covert mission. Can't get away from um, it. It was a covert mission, unless you want a Star War. Oh, He boy. says that. And he goes, and I know you don't want that. Um, <laughs> you. Well, J.J. Abrams, you're lucky that didn't prevent you from getting the job. And no, we um, didn't want that. <laughs> yeah. we Actually, we did want a Star War, just not from you. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved um, a good Star War. <laughs> also, here's $10. Go see a Star War. Had to be said. <laughs> But he has a good line, though. I think he's like, um, he's kind of flirting with uh, Dr. Marcus. And he's talking about, he's like, yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've uh, done a C-section off a uh, oh yeah a Klingon or whatever. Well, it wasn't a Klingon. It was yeah, a Gorn. I, I think it was a Gorn. It was a, it was a C-section of a Gorn, octuplets, things yes. bit. He's like, I think I can do some magic on your missile. <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> just, just such a weird, like, little funny, McCoy yeah. throwaway line. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's talk a bit about character performances. I think this is a good place to sort of transition into it. Sure. Oh, wait. Um, I had one more line. <laughs> oh, what was I it? I just caught it. The It's not really much of a line. It's just the way uh, What's-His-Face, the um, the Admiral. Is it Was it the Admiral? Whoever ended up being the bad guy. Is he an Admiral or is he a... Yeah, the Admiral. He has a weird way of talking. <laughs> I agree. Because when he's talking to Kirk, he says... He, he has just a weird way. He says something like... You better think about what you did on Kronos. Like he's just like, do you remember yes, that? He has that weird way. That. He, he delivered a couple of weird lines in that kind of like way. I, I don't. He's kind of a weird guy, anyway. <laughs> so I think, I think the best way to sort of categorize these character performances, I would say overall the casting is good. So we're in agreement there. Yeah. But I think the way to categorize it is. If we feel it's not as good as the original performances, um, if it's like in line with the original or if it improves on it. Because for me, I think. I think Kirk is. I mean, it's hard to say Kirk is worse because he's a he's a good actor, like he's doing a good job. Yeah. But he's just doing something entirely different because you can't. You can't really recreate William Shatner. Just right. not possible. Yeah. Um, so I'd say he's like in line with Shatner, but right. it's just kind of, it's just very different. So it's hard yeah. to compare. Right. Um, Zachary Quinto to me is probably the best example from these movies of someone who's not as good. I don't think he does a bad job, but like Leonard Nimoy as Spock is just like such an iconic character and he does such a good job of it. Yeah. That I don't think he was ever going to really have a chance there. Right. (laughs) Um, I think McCoy does a great job. I think Carl Urban, 
Carl yeah. Urban's great. I think he he has like just that slight tinge of like Southern twang yeah. that like doesn't feel forced. Yeah. Um, his quips are great, and like that very like alarmist attitude that McCoy kind of brings right. to his character. He always has that throughout. Yeah. He, he does a great job. Yeah. Um, and then the character that I think legitimately bring something like new and better to the table is Simon Pegg is Scotty. I think he's really great in these movies. Oh, yeah. um, I like his little side character that never talks that he's just always telling him to like get down from stuff. Yeah. Like that's really <laughs> funny. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I don't know. Otherwise I would say any of the performances that are kind of going off of a previously established character past that are sort of just, I don't know, unremarkable, but not bad. They give um, Zoe Saldana more, just more screen time. So I guess in yes. essence, it's a better character. That's true. she's not a background character in the movies. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, but I couldn't tell you that the original actress wouldn't do just as good a job if she oh, yeah, given more sure. screen time. So Well, like <laughs> Nichelle Nichols is like such a legend, so definitely. Yeah, yeah and if you watch um, Wrath of Khan, she's like just in the background. Yo, for sure. <laughs> I think um I think Anton Yelich as Chekhov does a good job. He does, um, yeah. And I think he he R. does R. a pretty good Oh yeah, absolutely. And he weird. does he does he does a pretty good job of being bringing something similar to the role but not trying to be a carbon copy. Yeah. Um just sort of that like nervous energy, I think is really like the main takeaway of that character. So right. I mean, I think that's one of the things that the reboot Star Trek series, for the most part, gets pretty gets pretty right. Like, I, I think they make mostly good choices on that front. Yeah, obviously, it's not going to be as good as the original because I, I mean, that seems almost impossible. But um, yes, I couldn't see them doing much better. Yeah, from a casting perspective, yeah. I would agree. Um, so for. For score and visuals, I think I'll cut this off as our last category because, I mean, when it comes to action sequences, really the big <laughs> takeaway here is budget. Like, Into Darkness has, you know, these huge action scenes, like tons of jump cuts, explosions, you know, the, the kind of thing you would expect for a modern movie with action in it. Yeah. Um, whereas Star Trek, sort of, the original just had to sort of do the best they could with what they had. And it's like very slow and deliberate, oh, but yeah. there's not much well, to speak of when it comes it's to action. budget and technology, obviously. Like, um, right. So, I mean, obviously, like you can you could compare Wrath of Khan directly to the original Star Wars, and you would be aware that Star Trek looks horrible in comparison to. Oh Star my Wars. gosh! I mean, uh, I I I wrote that down that this movie uh, Wrath of Khan came out in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Yeah, which is crazy it's, when it comes to visual. It's effects. pathetic. Yeah, but again, you can relate it to budget and yes. Quite frankly, Wrath of Khan still kind of plays like an episode of television. Yeah, but I think <laughs> it, I I almost think that kind of benefits them a little bit. They're best on um, television. That's what Star Trek is yeah. meant for television. And that's like, that's kind of a good, that's kind of a good way to transition into the score and the visuals. When I talk about visuals, like visual effects, there's not like, I don't even necessarily want to talk about that because it's so obvious obvious. that Into Darkness is going to do a better job. Into Darkness, great effects. Oh, the visual effects are amazing. I never hated the lens flare. I don't notice it too much. No, I never understood the the hate about that. It's not that noticeable. I I, I don't know. I always thought the, the look of it was great. 
No, mainly. So, yeah. And like we already talked about, the budget's just not there for great visual effects in Wrath of Khan. And so no. there's just not much to speak of in that <laughs> regard. So what I more so want to talk about is this, the score plus more so just kind of the visual aesthetics that they choose. Because I think that's really that really adds to the universe of Star Trek if it's done right, I think. Right. Um, so when, when you talk about the score, In a Darkness, I don't think does a bad job with the score by any means. Um, no. But it's also not super memorable to me. Um, like the, the right styles of music are in the right places. It fits the mood and the energy well. But overall, it's just your typical you know, like your typical modern action movie score. Right. Whereas similarly with Wrath of Khan talking about the visual effects, it has that sort of cheesy made for TV feel to it in parts. Right. Which to me just really fits what Star Trek is about. Like to me, the the score in Wrath of Khan to me felt very, felt very Epcot, like felt very like early eighties, like cheesy futuristic, in parts yeah it did kind of feel like a theme park i that's yeah funny. i know what you mean <laughs> i was thinking and that, that that to me is just sort of a matter of personal preference but that that i enjoyed more and like it stuck with me more yeah um, well i mean the original star trek themes classic yes and um I, I don't think the new one's bad um it's just like you said it's not iconic right yeah exactly and then talking about visual aesthetics like i think the choices that the original makes as well are really great like everyone's just wearing clothes that are like sort of two steps two steps off of what we know regular clothes to look like to the point where it's sort of unsettling (laughs) but you kind of like oh it just it's future like you just know that that's why yeah (laughs) But you're also just kind of looking at the clothes, like, is that what? What do they wear? <laughs> like, just a, just in a, a good way, but Christmas sweater, <laughs> right? <laughs> With like a weird, like bell hanging off of one side, and like some scratches in the arm, just like random choices. That there's an admiral shirt. <laughs> yeah, right. Whereas, whereas into darkness is, you know, you you can't. Um, you can't make the future look the same from an eighties movie that you can from a, you know, a 2012 movie. It's just not possible. Right. Like the, the perceptions of the future were different in those two eras. So it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were dressed more like the actual original series TV show. Yes. Um, but they, it, I kind of want that shirt. <laughs> yeah. They look like comfy think, shirts, right? They do They're look very comfortable. Shirts. I would I just, agree. I just gotta say, and they, they kind of go the route of, like, the future being sleek, just everything being very, like, sleek, which yeah. is, like, that's that's super common with more modern movies to make the future look like that. Yeah. Um, but I do like when movies, like, make weird choices like that when it comes to, like, costumes and, like, the stuff that people are drinking and, like, the way his apartment <laughs> is designed. Like, yeah, that kind of uh, stuff is just not something you're going to see in a movie today. That Klingon aphrodisiac drink. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so bizarre. Um, and they reference like Romulan ale, just like random little tidbits that sort of build the universe in a different way. Um, yeah, that's what I really like. That's um, just the good thing about Star Trek in general is so many TV episodes have uh, yes, the um, for sure the background of it. Whereas Star Wars, it's a certain set of movies, and then the fans have basically just generated everything. <laughs> Right. No, definitely. And I mean, I think 
in terms of like wrapping up our overall summations here, I think it's just a matter of it, it's not entirely a matter of whether or not the classic the classic is better than the reboot because I think this is maybe a situation where that doesn't fully encompass the picture. Uh, right. But let's let's start with you. I want to hear sort of your overall thoughts on how the movies compare and which you think is better and which has certain merits, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So I guess, um, okay. So obviously I, I do think Wrath of Khan is the better film than Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, but like I said earlier, I want to say I do actually really enjoy Star Trek Into Darkness and like in a vacuum of an action film, it's pretty solid from like start to finish. You're pretty engaged and it's like paced really well. And there's really no slow parts. You just kind of keep moving on it, and the movie goes really fast. Um, yeah, I like Wrath of Khan. It's obviously more typical Star Trek, that it's more slow-paced, a little more cerebral, not very action-heavy, um, you know, about certain core things that everyone can relate to, whereas Into Darkness is more of a straight-ahead action film. Um, what else? Um... I don't know if there's anything else. I, I mean, I it again to compare one versus the other. It they're not truly like I said. Into Darkness isn't really truly a remake. Um, it's yeah. just kind of because Abrams lacks originality. I think it just kind of <laughs> became For one sure. in essence. But definitely, Wrath of Khan's better. Wrath of Khan is is classic. You know, Spock dies and he actually stays dead until the end of the film, even though they bring him back. But that's something yeah. you don't see in movies a lot nowadays. That's very true. And um, I feel like it's fairly well acted, funny. Um, but I, I won't, I won't crap on Into Darkness because I've always thought that was a decent, purely action film. Probably not the best Star Trek film, but yeah, no, I think that's a. I, I would mostly agree with that summation, and I would say I'm in a very similar place. Something we didn't really talk about. A, in with about into darkness is that up until like halfway through the movie Khan's name is like john harrison or something like that and then it's revealed that his name is Khan. yeah it's a real which, cheap ploy for yeah like. to, to me makes it very clear that that's that's what turns it re- that's really the only thing that turns it into a reboot yeah. otherwise you could claim it's not meant to be one yeah. but as soon as his name is Khan, like that's it and they heavily rely on the you knowing what wrath of Khan is yes for, that reveal for to sure be anything um, yeah, exactly. So that's definitely a knock. Yeah, and I think like you make a good point that it's I I ultimately think Wrath of Khan is better than Into Darkness for sure. But I think a lot of that comes down to kind of what you want out of sci-fi and like what your preference is when you're watching a movie. Because for me, when I'm watching sci-fi, I just really like that element of it that it's like a a fantastical world. Mm-hmm. like used to touch yeah. on deeper themes that affect our day-to-day lives. Like I think that's something that people don't give enough credit to when it comes to All science right. fiction. And so the fact that wrath of Khan does that in such a really good way, I really yeah. have always appreciated that. Whereas I think talking about it into darkness, it's not really trying to do that. It's not trying to be the same thing. And so it's difficult to talk about it in the same context, but, mm-hmm. um, Ultimately, ultimately, I like it more than the average 
sci-fi superhero action movie of the modern day. Like it's, I, I think it's better than that. Um, yeah, it's a nice change of pace from the superhero saturation. Yeah. So I think ultimately, <laughs> I think ultimately if you enjoy that genre, then it's, it's worth watching. It's definitely not a bad movie yeah. by any means. Right. Um, it just is trying to accomplish something entirely different, which I guess is sort of the, the whole reason, um, they redid why it. <laughs> it's so hard to compare them, but, oh. um, yeah. So I think ultimately classic is better than reboot in this situation, but that doesn't mean you should throw reboot away. Give reboot go, a try. Yeah. Go check it out. I, I think I never saw the third rebooted star Trek, but I liked the first two. So yeah. So I, I actually kind of want to watch that now. Yeah. Probably not bad. I'd, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would definitely go and watch it. Yeah. No question there. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, Jordan, before we wrap up for the week, uh, anything else that you want to touch on? Um, no. I look forward to uh, the next Classic versus Reboot. In uh, 14 weeks? D- yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, I had a great time. I'm, I'm yeah. glad this isn't our weekly podcast because it does involve a lot of prep time. Yeah. Um, God. I think but I suggested I th- it would have to be an every other week thing if we were to do this. Yes, yeah. I think, I, and that's definitely true. So I'm glad it's not right. a regular for us. Okay. But I enjoy doing it uh, at the pace that we're doing it. Same. Um, so as a reminder to everyone out there, uh, if you enjoyed listening, um, you know, please check us out on Twitter at Any Ideas Podcast, uh, at Any Ideas on Facebook, and the Any Ideas Pod at gmail.com. We'll read your stuff word for word on the air, including any reviews. So if you uh, rate, review, and subscribe us, uh, tell your friends about us, we'll do that as well. Uh, The theme this week is Do It Again by Steely Dan. And until next time, remember, life is full of second chances. Now live long and prosper. Uh, Next week, look forward to an all-new episode of the Saturday Morning Coffee Hour. This has been a Kermit the Prague production.